Do you have a clear understanding how the invasion of Ukraine is affecting the markets and the economy? Will the markets rebound and gas prices go back to previous prices once the war is over? Even more importantly, what does this geopolitical event mean for you and your investments? Welcome to Reach Your Summit podcast, where we help you navigate the path to a better, more secure future. I'm your host today, Nicole Davis, and I'm the Director of Financial Planning Services at Summit Wealth Group. Anu Gagar, she is the Global Investment Strategist at Commonwealth Financial Network, is joining me to discuss the effects of the geopolitical events, what the effects are that they're having on the markets, and really what this means to the everyday investor. So thank you for joining us today. Nicole, thanks for having me here today. We've heard all about the invasion of Ukraine. You know, it's all over the news. And we've seen the volatility in the market and the soaring gas prices at the pumps. But is the Ukraine invasion and other geopolitical actions around the invasion causing all of this? One thing to think about, these markets were already experiencing so many different swings right before the invasion and had even had a downturn in January and February prior to the Russian invading Ukraine. You know, in fact, the markets were heading up at the very beginning of the invasion before dropping again. So the question really becomes what affects this invasion and the political events around it, such as like the sanctions that we hear about almost daily now, what affects going on the markets and the economy? First, I'd like to join you all in hoping for a peaceful uh, resolution to this humanitarian and geopolitical crisis we are all witnessing. The fact that we could be in this sort of a war in the 21st century seems unfathomable to me personally, and I'm sure you'll agree with me. It's having significant economic effects, and that we're seeing that in the form of higher inflation around the world. You mentioned higher gas prices. So the world entered this crisis dealing with elevated supply chain stresses and inflation pressures. And the invasion of Ukraine has just led to further rises in commodity prices, and resulted in a deteriorated growth and inflation mix. So what does this mean for us here in the U.S.? While Russia does export several billions of dollars worth of goods to the U.S., it is hardly comparable to the nation's largest trade partners like China, Mexico, Canada, Japan, Germany. In fact, in 2019, Russia was only the 26th largest supplier of goods in the U.S., So you would think that our economy is somewhat insulated from the impact of the invasion. Now, we did see gas prices spike, and as consumers, we all noticed that on our trips to the gas station. But in the last couple of weeks, oil prices have actually returned close to pre-invasion levels, and hopefully gas prices will follow as well. The surge in commodity food prices, especially wheat, That's also really going to uh, be a much bigger problem for people and governments in the uh, emerging markets, not as much in the U.S., where the commodity cost content in most of our food products is very low. But that said, uh, most commodities and natural resources do trade at a global scale. And so the risk of the war spilling over into real economies across Ukraine's borders cannot be ruled out. You had a lot of good information in there. You had said gas prices had come back down. And this morning on my way to the gym, I saw my gas prices in Percival, Virginia on March 17th 
actually came down a whopping five cents. So I'm still waiting for it to come down. Um, and I was like, woo, I better fill up. <laughs> what happens is, uh, you know, the oil prices come down first, but the refineries have purchased this oil several weeks earlier. So the gas prices take a little bit longer to come down. Okay. The invasion's still going on. So how does that really relate to the gas prices? Yeah, so gas prices had been rising even before the invasion. And uh, they definitely did spike when the invasion happened. So yes, the invasion did lead to a reaction function in the energy markets. But as I mentioned earlier also, the, the markets have given up some of the gains and crude prices have returned to closer to pre-invasion levels. But it is important to remember that there is more to the energy story than just the invasion. And a lot of it has to actually do with the return of demand post-COVID and supply not keeping pace as world oil production hasn't returned to pre-COVID levels. An outcome of the push to clean energy transition is that capital allocation has been light for fossil fuels. So even coming out of COVID, many drillers haven't really been keen on getting uh, the drills roaring again. As a result, we have seasonally high demand for energy uh, demand outpacing supply, OPEC not keen on adding more supply to the market, and hesitation to buy Russian oil. All of these factors that have converged to push energy prices higher. So it kind of sounds even with when the invasion does end, it's not going to have as big of an effect on our gas prices. That could be quite likely that our gas prices might end up staying a little bit higher uh, for a little bit longer because. Uh, If you think about the transition to clean energy, that doesn't happen overnight. That doesn't happen in months. It takes a while longer. So if we do have a situation where demand uh, stays high, but there's not enough supply, then uh, gas prices could stay higher for longer. Now, historically, uh, we've also seen that at least the marginal producers of oil do come back online pretty quickly because at 90 plus dollars a barrel of oil, a lot of these producers are making money. Yeah, they definitely want you to pay those higher prices. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There's even some companies I've heard that have actually stopped doing business in Russia. I've heard on the news like credit cards, some of those real big names out there, um, Visa, how do you think that's going to affect the markets or even um, the markets abroad? Yeah, so Russia has been sanctioned by governments of many countries, and many companies have also self-sanctioned Russia. Hundreds of Western businesses have either curtailed or completely stopped operating in Russia since the invasion of Ukraine. But some firms have actually decided to stay in the country, despite the international and domestic pressure. So for the companies that have left Russia, stakeholder capitalism seems to be the primary driving force uh, for companies pulling back. Uh, But also scale of operations, capital losses, and revenues at stake have likely also been some deciding factors. Uh, So just to give you some prime examples, McDonald's, Coca-Cola, and Pepsi, they have suspended Russian operations. Uh, Global shipping and transportation companies have also stopped services in Russia, but others, including hotel chains and manufacturers, they've decided to stay and continue operations. 
While the impact on revenues and bottom lines vary across companies, uh, fortunately, in aggregate, Russia isn't a big percentage of global companies' top and bottom lines. So the impact that you'll see on S&P 500 revenues and earnings will be somewhat limited. You know, in the beginning, we were talking about it's not just the invasion going on and even some of these other geopolitical events, like the sanctions that's connected to it, other um, companies kind of pulling out of business from there. What else is really influencing the markets? Uh, U.S. is somewhat isolated from a direct economic impact of the Russia-Ukraine war. The potential impact on inflation from the war has been rattling the markets. Uh, With inflation running hard, the market has been looking to the Fed to assess how far it will go to tamp down this inflation. There are fears that the Fed might be behind the curve and in a bid to catch up might actually push the economy into a recession. So what we are seeing in the markets is a broad-based weakness with tech and the globier stocks the most impacted. The Nasdaq composite is, in fact, down nearly 15% for the year-to-date period, and we are still in the third month of the year. Uh, the the broader uh, S&P 500 is down about 8.5%. Uh, the only sector that is in the green year-to-date is the energy sector, which we've been talking about all this while. Uh, while communication services, technology, and consumer discretionary, those are the sectors that are taking the tail. You mentioned the Fed's trying to catch up with inflation and raising the rates. They just decided to raise it that 25 basis points. Do you think any of the pressures from overseas is causing them to to reconsider or, or, or any kind of pressure? Does that change your mind on what they're doing? So you're right, the Fed began its t- uh, tightening cycle yesterday with a 25 basis point rate hike, despite the uncertainty caused by what's happening overseas, especially uh, with Ukraine and also with China's efforts to contain the spread of the Omicron variant. Um, and officials look set to hike rates by an additional quarter percentage point at each of the remaining six policy meetings this year. So that would take the Fed funds target range to about 1.75 to 2% uh, by the end of 2022. Now, all expected policy changes, of course, remain contingent on an exceptionally broad range of uh, uncertain risk factors. But the only one, notably, that was mentioned in the Fed statement yesterday was the war in Ukraine, which the Fed committee thinks is uh, likely to create additional upward pressure on inflation while weighing on growth. Uh, The Fed's new forecasts, however, make it clear that the policymakers are more focused on the inflation hit. So it is likely that the Fed would, in fact, be hiking rates as the economy is slowing. Uh, You look back and there's been other wars that we haven't been directly involved in, much like the invasion of Ukraine. How does that compare to like the markets reacting to that versus what they did this time? Is, Is there a similarity or... Yeah, Nicole, you make a great point. Um, It is important to remember that financial markets do tend to adapt, often more quickly than most anticipate. History tells us that geopolitical issues are simmering all the time, but barring exceptional circumstances, such uh, conflicts do not have a lasting impact on the markets. So just as an example, during the Crimean crisis in 2014, Russian equities sold off sharply, but they recovered very quickly. 
Eurozone and aggregate global equities actually kept marching higher. That's really interesting. Um, you also had mentioned how we were, you know, much more kind of isolated from what is happening over in Ukraine as far as our markets anyways. You know, when people are investing internationally, should they be concerned? Uh, yeah, so internationally, uh, what I would say is that the valuations absolutely look tempting. Right? Non-U.S. equities are trading at some of the widest valuation discounts relative to U.S. equities in history. But of course, systematic risk factors are also higher outside the U.S. They are at a greater risk of stagflation, tightening financial conditions, poor investor sentiment, and weaker currencies. 2022 uh, growth expectations for the non-U.S. companies have also come down materially in the last several uh, weeks. There will be pockets of opportunities uh, that investors can take advantage of for a post-invasion world. Um, such as in Japan or safer resource-rich jurisdictions such as Australia and Canada, and also commodity-producing emerging markets. But overall, I feel U.S. may remain the region with better fundamentals and may also benefit from flight-to-safety trades. But if and when the situation in Ukraine de-escalates and supply chains start to normalize again, non-U.S. equities can have a longer runway. But till then, the ride could be rough as stock prices could decouple from underlying fundamentals. We've had a, a lot of great information, but, you know, what does this really mean to the average investor? So there's always risk of war or other geopolitical events. Uh, when I think of that, you know, is just to stay invested. Staying the course with that, I think, is really important. There's always risk for stuff, but... You know, when you're looking at what happened, I mean, look, the gas prices are already starting to go back down. Who would have been able to sit there and be able to actually predict that? Um, investors get scared by the invasion. Um, sanctions are being made. Everything's shutting down. And unfortunately, the news does not help with that. Um, they usually escalate it further. So really just um, staying the course with that, I think, is really important. Do you have any other recommendations or information for investors? You made all great points, Nicole. In times like this, uh, knee-jerk reactions and emotionally made investment decisions are usually the wrong decisions. So uh, I will just reiterate what you said, which is don't let sensational news in the media persuade you to be too bearish too soon or let you stay out of the market for too long. So as a human, of course, the invasion and humanitarian crisis is disconcerting, but we also need to be strategic investors and take advantage of opportunities while avoiding uh, taking unnecessary risks. So while it is important to acknowledge that risks are high and rising, so you don't go over your skis to accept risks, but it is also important to sharpen your pencils to identify some early birthday presents because every crisis has some of them. Yeah, that's true. There's always the diamond in the rough that you can go find. I just say that although we are in uncertain times with prices increasing, you know, we just really encourage everyone to continue saving for your goals and really stay invested. And I'd just like to thank you for your time today, Anil. We really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing this uh, great wealth of information. Thanks, Nicole, for having me. It's been a pleasure.
Thanks for listening to the Reach Your Summit podcast brought to you by Summit Wealth Group. If you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. If you have any questions or topics that you'd like us to cover, please email info at summitwealthgroup.com. Thanks again.